0: Om agyanatimadanasyajnananjana shalakhaya chakshurunmiditam dheena tasmay shigudave namah Om, Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya We're continuing our reading of the Srimad Bhagavatam the seventh canto, third chapter, Hirani Kashipu's plan to become immortal. 7, 3, 11. So this uh, title to this chapter should be a tip-off for those who are paying close attention. Hirani Kashipu's plan to be, become immortal. And if anybody's noticed that plans don't work out so well here in this world. Sometimes people say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. But I don't think that's accurate, really, because Krishna's not laughing at us. He's really uh, compassionate, and um, he expresses his intentions throughout the Shastra, specifically Bhagavad Gita, that he really doesn't want us to... um, follow plans that don't work. And, and he doesn't, um, feel good about it when we, when we fail because we're following the wrong plan. And we see all the time in this, in the mundane sense, people follow all kinds of plans that are not well thought out and they don't get a good result. And there are lots of, um, spiritual endeavors that are not well thought out either. Unless somebody's following Krishna's plan, that they're bound to um, find setbacks and stumbling blocks that are ultimately insurmountable. And there's an old saying that um, if you wanna (laughs) outsmart a genius, then um get yourself a better plan. And the best plan is to follow Krishna's plan. That's why at the end of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Just give up all your stupid plans and follow my plan, and then you'll be successful. Modern translation. Okay, so here we have, Hiranyakashipu has this really a bad plan to become immortal. And we're we're seeing how this is unfolding and how what trouble he's going to to make this plan and try to make it work. And this is the plight of all conditioned souls that uh, a conditioned soul tries really really hard to make a plan work that is doomed from uh, beginning to end. <clears throat> Text 11 says By dint of my severe austerities, I shall reverse the results of pious and impious activities. I shall overturn all the established practices within this world. Even druvaloka will be vanquished at the end of the millennium. Therefore, what is the use of it? I shall prefer to remain in the position of Brahma. Purport. Hiranyakashipu's demoniac determination was explained to Lord Brahma by the demigods who informed him that Hirani Kashipu wanted to overrun all the established principles. After executing severe austerities, people within this material world are promoted to the heavenly planets. But Hirani Kashipu wanted them to be unhappy, suffering because of the diplomatic feelings of the demigods, even in the heavenly planets. He wanted those who were harassed in this world by material transactions to be unhappy for the same reason, even in the heavenly planets. Indeed, he wanted to introduce such harassment everywhere. One might ask how this would be possible since the universal order has been established since time immemorial. But Hiranika Shipu was proud to declare that he would be able to do everything by the power of his tapasya, he even wanted to make the Vaishnava's position insecure. These are some of the symptoms of Asuric determination. And it, it's, these are all enumerated by Krishna in the 16th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita where he talks about how the demons think that by their own power, they're going to be able to manipulate the world. And for some time they do, but Hirani <laughs> is the best of all of them, a Suryavarya, Dehino, actually, Prahlad Maharaj, when Hiranyakashipu asks him, what's the best thing you've learned? He tells him, oh, best of the demons, <laughs> Suryavarya, you're the best demon ever. And, and um, Hiranyakashipu failed, so Prahlad Maharaj says later on, that if, if, if you couldn't do it, Nobody can. So what's the use of trying here in the material world to manipulate things through this demoniac idea of trying to <clears throat> control the material nature for one's own benefit? Text number 12. O oh Lord, we have heard from reliable sources that in order to obtain your post, Hiranyakashipu is now engaged in severe austerity. You are the master of the three worlds. Please, without delay, take whatever steps you deem appropriate. In the material world, a servant is provided for by the master, but is always planning how to capture the master's post. There have been many instances of this in history, especially in India during the Mohammedan rule. Many servants by plans and devices took over the posts of their masters. It is learned from Chaitanya literature that one big zamindar, Roy kept a Mohammedan boy as a servant. Of course, he treated the boy as his own child, and sometimes when the boy would steal something, the master would chastise him by striking with a cane. There was a mark on the boy's back from this chastisement. Later, after that boy had been, by crooked means, become Hussein Shah, Nawab of Bengal, one day his wife saw the mark on his back and inquired about it. The Nawab replied that in his childhood, he had been a servant of Roy, who, who had punished him because of some mischievous activities. Upon hearing this, the Nawab's wife immediately became agitated and requested her husband to kill Roy. Nawab Hussein Shah, of course, was very grateful to Roy, and therefore refused to kill him. But when his wife requested him to turn Roy into a Mohammedan, the Nawab agreed. Taking some water from his water pot, he sprinkled it on Subhuti Roy and declared that Subhuti Roy had now become a Mohammedan. The point is that this Nawab had been an ordinary menial servant of Subhuti Roy, but was somehow or other able to occupy the supreme post of Nawab of Bengal. This is the material world. Everyone is trying to become master through various devices, although everyone is servant of his senses following the system a living entity although servant of his senses tries to become master of the whole universe Kashyapu was a typical example of this and brahma was informed by the demigods of his intentions also you can see from brahma who's uh, got a big post it takes a 100 lifetimes of performing perfect varnashram regulations in order to uh, get the piety to assume the post of Brahma in the universe. And then, of course, Brahma has a lot of these responsibilities. You can see from the Bhagavatam's beginnings that when Brahma first started creating, he got attacked. And there are all kinds of problems in the universe, and that's the plight of those who take up any responsibility in this world you can be sitting there peacefully and then you'll get a phone call or somebody'll walk in and say I hey, guess what just happened and then you have to deal with it so <clears throat> there's a there's quite a bit of um, there are quite a few ups and downs you'll see for the <clears throat> great uh <clears throat> rulers of the of the universe especially Brahma 13 <clears throat> What to speak of the news that he wanted to take over his post. So that's another one. That any kind of position in the material world is never secure, that somebody will want to take it. Oh, Lord Brahma, your position within the universe is certainly most auspicious for everyone, especially the cows and prominence. Brahminical culture and the protection of cows can be increasingly glorified. And thus, all kinds of material happiness, opulence, and good fortune will automatically increase. But unfortunately, if Yorani Kashipu occupies your seat, everything will be lost. This is just like in the United States every four years there's an election. And whatever the administration develops, when the next administration comes in, they just turn everything on its head. It's crazy. What a way to to run an organization (laughs) that anything you develop, then it just. Reverse it, constantly changing. Purport In this verse, the words Dwija Gavam indicate the most exalted position of the Brahmanas, Brahminical culture, and the cows. In Vedic culture, the welfare of the cows and the welfare of the Brahmanas are essential. Without a proper arrangement for developing Brahminical culture and protecting cows, all the affairs of administration will go to hell. Being afraid that Hirani Kashipu would occupy the post of Brahma, all the demigods were extremely disturbed. Hirani Kashipu was a well-known demon, and the demigods knew that if demons and rakshasas were to occupy the supreme post, brahminical culture and protection of cows would come to an end. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 5.29, the original proprietor of everything is Lord Krishna. The Lord therefore knows particularly well how to develop the material condition of the living entities within this material world. In every universe, there is one Brahma engaged on behalf of Lord Krishna, as confirmed in Srimad Bhagavatam. The principal creator in each Brahmanda is Lord Brahma, who imparts Vedic knowledge to his disciples and sons. On every planet, the king or supreme controller must be a representative of Brahma. Therefore, if a Rakshasa or demon were situated in Brahma's post, then the entire arrangement of the universe, especially the protection of the Brahminical culture and cows would be ruined. All the demigods anticipated this danger and therefore they went to request Lord Brahma to take immediate steps to thwart Hirani kashyapu's plan. In the beginning of creation, Lord Brahma was attacked by two demons, Madhu and Kaitaba, but Krishna saved him. Therefore, Krishna is addressed as Madhu Kaitaba Huntru. Now again, Hirani Kashipu was trying to replace Brahma. The material world is so situated that even the position of Lord Brahma, not to speak of ordinary living entities, is sometimes in danger. Nonetheless, until the time of Hiranyakashipu, no one had tried to replace Lord Brahma. Hirani Kashipu, however, however, was such a great demon that he maintained this ambition. The word butyai means for increasing opulence, and the word treya refers to ultimately returning home back to godhead. In spiritual advancement, one's material position improves at the same time that the path of liberation becomes clear and one is freed from material bondage. If one is situated in an opulent position in spiritual advancement, his opulence never decreases. Therefore, such a spiritual benediction is called bhuti or vibhuti. Krishna confirms this in Bhagavad Gita 10.41. Yad yad vibhuti <inaudible> mat sattvam mama chum if a devotee advances in spiritual consciousness and thus becomes materially opulent also, his position is a special gift from the Lord. Such opulence is never to be considered material. At the present, especially on this planet Earth, the influence of Lord Brahma has decreased considerably and the representatives of Yerani the Rakshasas and demons have taken charge. Therefore, there is no protection of Brahminical culture and cows, which are the basic prerequisites for all kinds of good fortune. This age is very dangerous because society is being managed by demons and rakshasas. And for those who, um, the, the culture that maintains cows then naturally develops the mode of goodness because cows are in the mode of goodness and they produce milk which is necessary for developing the finer tissues of the brain and also for, for um, making ghee, which is um, used in Vedic sacrifices through which one can perform yagya sacrifice and attain the transcendence dumas just brahmadarshanam. from ghee, one can perform. Vedic sacrifice and therefore culture the highest uh, modes of nature and and the highest realizations in life. It's amazing, Prabhupada said, and it it, um, challenges human reason how by living with the cow that one becomes uh, influenced by the mode of of goodness. But uh, if you live around cows, you notice that uh, they do have that mode. They can actually sit for long periods of time and be satisfied and also in the cow um, in the goshala when cows sometimes they get a little bit rambunctious and they'll um, they'll knock into each other especially at feeding time and no one ever takes offense if you see the monkeys like at govardhan there's lots of animals to watch if you're into watching animals And um, the monkeys, they get agitated really easily because they're in the modes of passion and ignorance. And if anybody even looks the wrong way at a monkey, the monkey will go nuts and he'll come after you. Like, are you looking at me? And then then you've had it. So therefore, Prophet said, don't make friends and don't make enemies. Just don't interact with them Because, (laughs) because they're so easily disturbs because they're in this rajas but cows are not like that and i've seen so many times i lived in the goshala uh, for kartik actually from prushotam Mas in 2001 i stayed in the goshala and i used to get up early in the morning and i just sit there with the cows and channel my rounds and i watch the cows and and after a while sitting there with the cows i just feel peaceful and i think yeah i should be more like that <laughs> i should be more like the cows and so the cows bring us down to the uh, rhythm of the earth. And when, you, and when you serve the cow and take care of the cow, then also you, you derive this satfagun. And the cow keeps you regulated too. We're meant to be regulated around the rhythms of the earth, the movements of the earth. And the cow demands that we take care of it in a certain way. And that slows us down to about the speed that we should be going so that we can culture spiritual life, zipping around at eighty miles an hour in a metal box, is not a great idea for the consciousness. Even Al Gore said that years ago, before he lost running for president twice. But he, uh, you know, he used to say, you know, <clears throat> what does it do to the environment scraping around in a two thousand pound box with fumes coming out the back and stuff like that? So this uh, this culture, Brahminical culture, also. Um, means to respect those who are situated in Brahman, that are uh, the human beings who have cultured spiritual life are given a special position because when you put those who are in knowledge in a special position, Krishna says, tad na sevaya jnaninas then the um, knowledge comes pouring down to you and you can, you can understand it. And uh, then Prabhupada points out so frequently that uh, modern society is doing just the opposite: glorify um, shudras and um, the, the cows. Uh, he won't even mention it because it, it's unmentionable what are, what it's done to cows. It does it. It, it is uh, beyond reason how anybody in their right mind could mistreat an animal like that. Any animal, for that matter, but what to speak of a cow? Um, So these are um, the reason that there are great disturbances in society is because the mind gets disturbed when it's confronted with the reactions that come from living out of harmony with nature. And what is harmony with nature? It's being in harmony with Brahminical culture, valuing spiritual advancement, and valuing the cow that is the animal that uh, allows for spiritual life to go on on the planet, what to speak of that keeps us in harmony with the land in all different ways. For instance, you know, there's so many experiments that have been done with the cow. If you bring it into a barren piece of land and you just let the cow's um, <clears throat> graze there and you take care of them after a while the land comes alive again just because the cow is living there the cow dung and um, the way the cow uh, you know moves around the earth and so forth it, it makes it productive all of a sudden who thought of that krishna did that's a namo brahman nirivaya krishna govindaya namaha krishna is a the well-wisher of the cows and the Brahmins. And um, this is uh, where it begins, real culture. So here, Buddha doesn't like that because that's what demons don't like. They don't like Brahminical culture. Text number 14. O king, being thus informed by the demigods, the most powerful Lord Brahma, accompanied by Brigu, Daksha, and other great sages immediately started for the place where Hiranyakashipu was performing his penances and austerities. Purport Lord Brahma was waiting for the austerities performed by Hiranyakashipu to mature so that he could go there and offer benedictions according to, to Hiranyakashipu's desire. Now taking the opportunity of being accompanied by all the demigods and great saintly persons, Brahma went there to award him the benediction he desired. 15 through 16. Lord Brahma, who was carried by a swan airplane, at first could not see where Hiranyakashipu was, for Hiranyakashipu's body was covered by an anthill and by grass and bamboo sticks. Because Hiranyakashipu had been there for a long time, the ants had devoured his skin, fat, flesh, and blood. Then Lord Brahma and the demigods spotted him, resembling a cloud covered sun, heating all the world by his austerity. Struck with wonder, Lord Brahma began to smile and then addressed him as follows Purport The living entity can live merely by his own power, without the help of skin, marrow, bone, blood, and so on. Because it is said, Asangohyayam <clears throat> Purushaha. The living entity has nothing to do with the material covering. Hirani Kashipu performed a severe type of tapasya, austerity, for many long years. Indeed, it is said that he performed the tapasya for 100 heavenly years. Since one day of the demigods equals six of our months, certainly this was a very long time. By nature's own way, his body had been almost consumed by earthworms, ants, and other parasites. And therefore, even Brahma was at First, unable to see him. Later, however, Brahma could ascertain where Hirani Kashipu was, and Brahma was struck with wonder to see Hirani Kashipu's extraordinary power to execute Tapasya. Anyone would conclude that Hirani Kashipu was dead because his body was covered in so many ways. But Lord Brahma, the supreme living being in this universe, could understand that Hirani Kashipu was alive but covered by material elements. It is to be noted that although Hiranyakashipu performed this austerity for a long, long time, he was nonetheless known as a daitya and rakshasa. It will be seen from verses to follow that even great saintly persons could not perform such a severe type of austerity. Why then was he called a rakshasa and daitya? It is because whatever he did was for his own sense gratification. His son Prahlad Maharaj was only five years old, and so what could Prahlad do? Yet simply by performing a little devotional service, according to the injunctions, instructions, rather, of Nardamuni, Pralad Prahlad became so dear to the Lord that the Lord came to save him, whereas Hiranyakashipu, in spite of all his austerities, was killed. This is the difference between devotional service and all other methods of perfection. One who performs severe austerities for sense gratification is fearful to the entire world, whereas a devotee who performs even a slight amount of devotional service is a friend to everyone. Since the Lord is the well-wisher of every living entity, and since a devotee assumes the qualities of the Lord, the devotee also acts for everyone's good fortune by performing devotional service. Thus, although Hiranyakashipu performed such a severe austerity, he remained a daitya and a rakshasa, whereas Prahlad Maharaj, although born in the same daitya, born of the same Daitya father, became the most exalted devotee and was personally protected by the Supreme Lord. Pukti is therefore called Sarvophadivadir Muktam, indicating that a devotee is freed from all material designations. And anya bilashita shunyam, situated in a transcendental position, free from all material desires. And this is one of the um, very compelling points that Prabhupada makes throughout the Bhagavatam. It takes a lot of work to go to hell, Prabhupada says in, in another purport. Whereas going back to God has, is a little simpler, because Krishna is so kind and he accepts just simple offerings, patram, pushpam, palam toyam, yome bhaktya prayachiti taraham paritam ashnami If you offer me with love and devotion a leaf, a flower, fruit, or water, I'll accept it. And it's known that, um, as you can see from deity worship, Krishna is um, pampered by his devotees. They bring him all kinds of nice things. I mean, just during this uh, shutdown, devotees all over the world are, um, you know, I'm talking to, I just talked to Bhuvaneswar in Vrindavan this morning. He cooks the Bog for Shishirada Samasundar, and I've been talking to other devotees in various places around the world, and, you know, the devotees are concerned Krishna has to eat during this time. Even though the temple's closed, they make all kinds of arrangements here even here at ISV last night, we had a you know a long meeting to talk about ways in which to make sure the deity worship is going on, Krishna's being fed, and so forth. So it is it is said by our acharyas that, uh, and there's a phrase for it, that Krishna likes to be pampered, but they go on to say that the reason he likes that is because he knows when his devotees go out of their way to offer him things that uh, they enjoy. Because when we... Uh, serve Krishna's senses, hrishikena, hrishikesha, Savanam. then uh, we actually become uh, nourished ourselves because we're part and parcel of Krishna. naivatmana This is something that Prahlad Mahar says in his prayers, that the Lord doesn't need anything from us. He's complete. He's purna. But it's for our benefit when we offer something And then we become um, enlivened in devotional service. And uh, Prahlad gives the example that when you see your uh, reflection in the mirror of your face, and then you decorate your face, you'll see that the reflection is also decorated. So we're like reflections of Krishna in a way. And when the face, Krishna, the the original source of everything is, is glorified, decorated, taken care of, given things, then uh, the reflection is also decorated, is also glorified and so forth. This is a great secret of devotional service. And um, it's, uh, it's not that uh, the devotees, although the nectar of instruction starts with vacho vegam manasakrota vegam, there, there has to be some sense of tapasya because the senses will um, distract us from performing devotional service but Rupa Goswami mentions in the in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that we don't perform all kinds of of militant uh, austerities to bash the senses. Not at all, because then the heart becomes hard, and we also get in this tug of war with the senses. Rather, we replace any kind of uh, we replace any kind of um, bad habits the senses might have with good habits. And I had this uh, realization today. I see this uh, shutdown, you know, it's kind of nice because we're in this, we get put in a little laboratory and we get to be with ourselves for a while and see, okay, let's see how you do, little fella, you know, get in there (laughs) and let's see, let's see you do your thing now, now that you're, you know, you're locked down, you're with by yourself. I mean, not everyone's by themselves, but by themselves, but uh, you know, you can kind of introspect a little more and watch yourself and see how, how do you react to this and how does it go on. So I've been seeing how you know it's uh, such a nice opportunity. It would be nice if we could do this every year for four months anyway. I mean, that's what they people used to do for Chaturmasya, just for that very reason, to to get a little understanding what's going on. And I, I've been seeing that uh, little victories over the senses. Uh, for the sake of, uh, and by replacing it with uh, a devotional activity, are very powerful. So if you find some, some way that your senses are veering off and going into, you know, some mindless or useless activity, time-wasting activity, then make a plan. That's a good sense of plan making, to replace it with a devotional activity. But here is that that's commonplace. We've all heard that millions of times. But what I was, what I was keeping track of over the last couple of weeks is how many victories do I have to get over my senses in order to start building momentum? And uh, I came to a formula for myself that may be different for each person, but I found out that for me it's five. Five times my sense of senses come asking, "Is like, can I do this?" And I'm like, "Not right now. I'm going to do something else." (laughs) And then I and I have it lined up. Like, this is my little friend here, this box that has all proper's lectures. This is what I used to divert whatever kind of uh, way that my mind wants to go off this way or that way. They say, no, no, we're going to do something else from now on. We're going to turn this box on. And we're going to hear this. That's the way the senses are going to go from now on. And so, like a little kid, you know, it's like, I not want to go to bed. Or I don't want to eat spinach, whatever it is. And he's like, no, no, we'll, we'll do it this time, next time, you know then you, you you do it and five times you win that's that's what i'm noticing uh, the little victory over your senses then it starts to develop a samskar or an impression that oh that's the way we go and krishna talks about that in the bhagavad gita that your mind can be best friend or, be, or worst enemy and he says abhyasa yogi yuktena you have to practice it again and again so it's kind of exciting because the, the mind has this plasticity it can be molded and when we have this idea about how to mold it according to the acharyas, they've already said, here are the good things to do. Here are the good austerities. We like austerities, but you've got to find the good ones and then add them into your life. And when you do that, then you have a blissful life. And if anybody's doing devotional austerities and you ask them how you're doing, they're going to say, I'm doing great. And it doesn't matter what, <laughs> what else is happening in the world or where they are. They could be anywhere, uh, you know, stuck in jail. You know, And you, you'll ask them, how are you doing? They're doing fine. Because actually that's the state of the soul. And we connect in that way through doing these devotional austerities, thinking of Krishna, offering things to Krishna, going out of our way to, to make sure that his senses are satisfied. That's our austerity. Whatever we have to do to do that, that's our austerity. The trouble we take to do that is our tapasya. And um, and of course we follow four regulative principles because how can we serve Krishna if if we're intoxicated? Because when you're intoxicated, you mess things up. I mean, what if you had an accountant, and you know you called up and said, you know, we have to file taxes today. Is it is it already? I said, like, ah, yeah, I forgot about that. I was, I was a little drunk last night, and I forgot to file your. <laughs> you would fire that person. So you know, Krishna wants. Uh, you know somebody who, in their right mind who's sober, who's not getting all distracted. So there's a few prohibitions, a few yams to follow and a few niyams to follow just so that you can um, not be out of your head and, and irresponsible. And then if you can then just apply the devotional system of serving Krishna's senses in, the, in every way that you possibly can, then that's devotional austerity and that's the path that goes back home back to Godhead. And the other hard work that one has to do to get ahead in the material world is just not worth it. Although, you know, when you're when we're here, we make the best um, possible effort to live a balanced life, materially and spiritually. So if you're um, living in the world, then you should live in a Um, The best situation possible, that means in the most sattvic arrangement that you can find. And you should um, regulate your senses and do your work according to what you need to do to maintain yourself. And then put the balance of your energy into spiritual life. That was a disclaimer so that nobody thinks I'm saying that everyone should quit their job or something like that, which I'm not saying. Okay, um, Rashmi. Willisa, isn't that nice? Tadiyaseva Seva is putting up verses. That's a very nice habit, Tadiyah Seva, to put up verses like that. He heard the verse and he put it up here. Partiva dumas, tasmad, agnis, trai just tasmat brahma darshanam. That's um from the Bhagavatam, first canto, second chapter, everybody knows, divinity and divine service. And in that verse, um, Goswami is talking about how the the motor goodness is the best because when you come to the motor goodness, then you can see Brahman. Here's um, Rashmi. Is that Rakeshfree? Who, who's Rashmi Bajaj?
1: That's Rakeshfree. Hey, yeah,
0: Rakeshfree. I should know that from way back in you know in the old days, dear um, such and such please set my obeisances, my basenesses to you. Uh, I have noticed for myself that multitasking sometimes gets tricky with my mind playing games as well. I want to listen to a long uh, lecture, while cooking or cleaning or driving, but at the end of it, I feel I don't remember much. When I sit and focus, I get more out of it where attention goes, energy flows. Do you have any practical tips for this? Is it okay to stick to one task at a time? Yeah, sure. It's okay. You know, it's always nice to have the transcendental vibration going, but it is, there's nothing like taking time to really focus. You, I'm going to read you a quote that I pulled out of uh, the commentaries from the um, Yoga Sutras recently. Whatever is good or most desired in this life or the next is attained by intense concentration of the mind. <laughs> I'll read it again because it's so nice. Whatever is good or most desired in this life or the next is attained by intense concentration of the mind. So, um, yeah, it's good to take some time to really focus in. In fact, uh, learning takes place when you're intensely focusing. And sometimes it hurts because the mind doesn't like to focus. But with practice, we can develop that power of focus. Vaikuntha Nayaka. Hare Krishna. Good to see you up at night uh, listening to Bhagavatam there in Mysore. Okay, um, performing austerities, albeit for demigods, albeit for sense gratification, need good sattva qualities, focusing the mind at one thing, sitting at one place to bring back the wandering mind. But rakshasas are in the mode of rajas and tamas, yet, how are they able to pull off such austerities? to please the demigods well it's um because of their strong motivation to uh enjoy sense gratification and they'll do whatever's necessary and they come up with all kinds of stuff i know hitler you know dabbled with the uh with the vedas that's where that why he has that uh swastika he got that from the vedic culture and he had all kinds of ideas from that and he said Let, let's uh figure out how to use this system for enjoying sense gratification, Duryodhana also. He followed the Vedas, and uh, very carefully so, but his intention was wrong. So we find throughout the Bhagavatam this kind of topsy turvy The fact is that sometimes demons like Vritrasura, who, uh, you know, they came from the the wrong place, but they end up being the topmost uh, devotees. And then you find all kinds of brahminical type people who have the wrong intention, even though they're in the mode of goodness. And after all, the mode of goodness in the material world is subject to being uh, contaminated by the lower modes of nature. And it always is until one transcends and goes above the the three dimensions of the material world into Turiya, the fourth dimension. So anybody can misuse anything here in this material world. And um, the demons have such determination that they'll try to usurp the the processes of the yogis just for their own purposes. So intent is really important. And we need, we're doing Bhagavad Gita daily chapter with a new group. Need your blessings to continue. Please also, if you have any specific guidance for my chapter day. Kopi from Mumbai. Yeah, do a chapter a day. Because if you really want to develop um, a deep love for Krishna, then read his words in the Bhagavad Gita because nobody can read those words from Bhagavad Gita as it is without really feeling Krishna's presence. Now, let's see if there's any reflections or questions from either uh, those of you who are so have so kindly joined us on Zoom and spending your time just... F- you know, with full focus here, listening to Bhagavatam and listening to me chatter on, then uh, we'll see if you have any reflections or uh, if there's anybody from the the, uh, Facebook or anything like that that wants to jump in. Anyone? Anyone?
2: We have some from Facebook, Maharaj.
0: Okay, let's hear it.
2: So we have Bali Mardan Prabhu.
0: Our Bali Mardan Prabhu? The Bali Mardan Prabhu? (laughs) Yes, Maharaj. Okay, go ahead.
2: And he says how one can understand the real material situation. One can become a servant today and tomorrow a king. Subhuti Rai example.
0: Yeah. And and uh, here we have um, Brahma and all the demigods and there's a way in which in the heavenly planets. Everyone was just going on with their lives, thinking that uh, the economic development would continue unabated. And then all of a sudden, they got the news that the whole thing was off. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? And uh, that's the way the material world is. There are upsurges here and there. And people get moved around from one place to the next. Um, So it's not... uh, unusual for somebody to um, s- start off. Usually we hear it the other way. They start off in a high position and then they come tumbling down to a lower position, but it happens the other way too. Thanks, Bali. Prabhu. Uh, anything else? Hey, fa- oh, yeah, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Um, I, I was remembering, I was reflecting on one point that was brought up in the beginning that you just touched on again, which is that even if someone is apparently a master of the material world in some way or other, in reality, he's actually a servant of his senses like everyone else. And he's just a little bit more determined to serve his own senses. And it reminded me of the verse, yes, yes, the bacteria, So very good, And so even if someone is apparently extremely qualified or extremely, apparently expert in, or they are, you know, materially expert, in reality they're just uh, a slave to their senses like everybody else and and um, you know in that way they're just a kind of higher gradation of dog in a way. Yeah, and that thank you, it's a good point. And it's uh, of course the five the verse from Bhagavatam five eighteen twelve, Yes, Yassi Bhagavatya that says that By performing devotional service, one naturally starts to develop the good qualities of the devas. But if one isn't doing devotional service, those uh, so-called good qualities that one sees right now are subject to to being moved on and uh, cycled downward because uh, the person's on the mental platform, and it'll change. And later on, there's this uh, fight between Hiranyakashipu and Lord Nishringadev. And as you'll remember, Nishringadev grabs Hiranyakashipu, but then Hiranyakashipu gets out of his grasp. And all the demigods at that time are even more disturbed because they've been watching the fight and rooting for Nishringadev. Whoever he is, they want him to win because they want their stuff back. And now that he got free, they think, oh, he probably saw us rooting for Nishringadeva, and now we're really going to suffer more than ever before. So they were fearful because they had some vested interest in the material world. Of course, Prahlad was never scared. But the main point here is that um, the Acharyas point out that just as a cat plays with a mouse, and sometimes it lets it go and then grabs it again. It's just like cats like to play with their uh, with their prey. And similarly, Nishringadev has that cat-like nature because he's half half lion. And uh, so he let him go. So Prabhupada says sometimes materialistic people, well, let, let's say pious people, they say, why is it that these demoniac people, that they, they seem to be getting so much out of the world and they're on top all the time and we're being persecuted by them. And Prabhupada said, it's just a trick by material nature, giving them a little leeway so they can think, oh, yes, I'm the master, I'm free. But they'll be uh, reined in very soon by material nature. And one who knows that, that the, the laws of nature are, are inexorable. If, if you're um, true to the laws of nature by um, sticking to what's right, doing your, your uh, duty towards Krishna, and uh, no matter what happens in this lifetime, you're going to be the winner. And uh, others who may make so many arrangements to come out ahead, who violate that principle, there's no way to get ahead. We're, we're helpless uh, at the hands of material nature. So it's a really good point you brought up. Thank you very much, Bhakti Alex.
2: Hare Krishna, Mahārāj, please accept my envelope, It's
0: all officacy Hare Krishna, no. to see you.
2: Yeah, Um, Maharaj, what after five uh, wins over the senses? so, I I mean, what after, you said, right, Uh, you have to win five times after that?
0: Five times? Yeah, then keep doing it. But it just, it's a matter of really developing momentum, because our lives are ruled by habits. So we have to remember that we're creatures of habit. And so we have to deliberate a little bit and decide what habits we want to have. That's why we have this uh, vaiti bhakti. It's like when people join devotional service, then we say, listen, tell you what we're going to do for you. We're going to give you a new set of habits that's going to be really good for you. And this is vaidi. It means rules and regulations. So we set you up and it's like, how about this? How about, you know, you get up a little earlier and, you know, then instead of just turning on the radio or whatever you do, Uh, Start listening to this transcendental sound vibration. It's the same hearing, you know, everything's same, senses use, but it's just a retrofit, a new habit. And uh, that's what we do. So it takes a little while for that to stick because we have impressions of enjoyment in the material world. We never actually enjoy the material world. We just think about enjoying it. And then there's a, a stimulation of the senses and it leaves an impression on the mind and the mind wants to do it again and again. So we have to rise above that by getting a higher taste. And that higher taste really goes towards getting a more subtle enjoyment because we're subtle beings. And if we, uh, if we can learn to uh, habituate ourselves, to finding our happiness through the most subtle of activities, devotional service, pleasing Krishna's senses, and so forth, then we start to um, eschew or give up, uh, be um, not interested in the lower tastes anymore, and we start to elevate ourselves above the, uh, the, um, the tastes that we had before for the material nature. So, abhyasa-yoga-yuktena Chaitasananyagamina paramam purusham devyam yati yati-parthanu-cintayan. Krishna is saying, abhyas. you got to practice this. What is the practice? It has to do with the senses and the mind. So you have to learn, you have to get into yoga. Bhakti-yoga means that you um, regulate yourself in such a way that the senses will be tamed. And you tame them by uh, engaging them in, in Krishna's service: nirmalam, vein Trishi Bhakti Ruchite. If you engage your senses in Krishna's service, then, then the, the real purpose of the senses gets fulfilled, and the taste will come. And then then, I say five times, you know. You get that and you start like five Janmashtamis in a row. You fast, you chant here all day. And you start to develop this this feeling like, wow, I really like that. You know, in the middle of doing it, you know, it's like 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, it's like, oh, how am I going to fast till midnight or whatever? But then, you know, you kind of get carried away by Krishna's there. Everyone's uh, singing. And, you know, you do five Janmashtamis. uh and, you know, following that system of worshiping Krishna and John pretty soon you start thinking, "Wow, that's a I wouldn't want to do without it you know you develop a devotional kind of uh you develop a devotional impressions in your mind you're attracted to that, and so when your whole being becomes attracted to these um uh, interactions you're having with krishna and and you're using your senses you're not restri- restraining them, but you're using them then uh that's all you want to do that that's all there is to do it and you're getting sense gratification on a much higher level because so we have to have sense gratification we're we're not dead stones we won't settle for no sense gratification we'll spring out of that sometime and uh, you know so you'll, you'll, you'll just fall right out of that situation because we we like variety we like sense gratification as ananda it's our nature to enjoy. So enjoy on a higher level. It makes a lot of sense, and it, and that's done by just getting into Krishna sense gratification. Does that help? Yes, matters. Yeah, you know, to, uh, just a experience I had today. I was. Um, I was looking around at some of my old pictures. I barely ever look at the photos I take. I just take them and they're in my phone. So when I go back and look at them, I'm thinking, wow, uh, you know, I was in India and stuff like that. I remember those days. And, and uh, when we were in uh, Govardhan, it was our, I think, 18th or 19th year that I spent the whole month at Govardhan Hill just reading Bhagavatam. And then um, I saw this picture that we took. When uh, we finished our yagya at the end of the Kartik, and you know we read uh, Krishna Book, and what else did we read? Who was there? F- uh, fourth, fifth canto? I can't remember what we read, but uh, we had like, you know, a lot of books. so we always do this ritual where we, we hold them all and we sit out there and we take a picture to. to and I was just thinking, uh, you know, it's after 18, 19 times of doing that for the month. It's kind of, I was hankering for a Govardhan. I mean, you know, for a fallen soul, to hanker for Govardhan is a big deal, even like a little bit. So, you know, it gets in you. Devotional service gets in you, and then you start developing this feeling like, I like to do that. I want to do that. And even if it seems austere to to people on the outside, like all the time I tell people I'm going to India, and I'm going to sit in one room for a month and just read out loud. <laughs> You're going to do what? Is there any games or anything? You know, and uh, that's the last thing that I'd ever want to do is look at a game while I'm in Goverdon or anywhere else for that matter. But, you know, because it's a more subtle kind of enjoyment. So we can get that. Anybody can get it. It just takes practice. And, for, you know, for some habits, we replace them. It takes a little you know, you you still ha- you keep having to do it and bring yourself back to it until you get that impression. Does that help?
2: Yes, thank you so much. Hare,
0: Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Okay. Hey, look, Sadhu Vrindavan's here, and Ram Baru. Is that? Oh, it's Ram Baba. B L R Ram Babu. The verse yasyatma buddhi compares one in bodily consciousness to a cow or an ass. But when we say cows are in goodness, what does it mean? Is that goodness mixed with ignorance? No. The reason that it's mentioned in the verse, Yesyasti buddhi, I mean, yasyatma um, buddhi kuna so di Boma bhoma yet tirta buddhi Salilena nakarici janeishu abhigyeshu sa gokara. So, Krishna said this verse. In fact, it's a very interesting circumstance because it's at Kurukshetra. This is in the 10th canto. This is a very Rasika time because Krishna goes there for the eclipse and everyone hears Krishna's going there. So people from everywhere come and the residents of Vrindavan hear about it and they say, we're going too. So they pack up their wagons and they drive up there to Kurukshetra. And sure enough, Krishna's there. It's a very heart-rending time. What a beautiful section of the Bhagavatam. But there, when Krishna is addressing all the sages, and there are thousands of these topmost sages from the universe who appeared there also, this is the verse he says. So he says, this body, and he says, if somebody takes this body, which is a bag made of three elements, uh, mucus, bile, and air, and then also, if somebody takes their homeland as worshipable, and then if somebody goes to a holy place and just takes a bath there and then takes a, a photograph, say, yeah, we were here, and doesn't listen to the, uh, to the Bhagavatam classes going on there by great sadhus, then uh, that person has a mentality like a cow or an ass. So the reason cow is listed there is because a cow... Uh, sometimes when a cow has a stillbirth, the, the calf is born, but it's born dead. So sometimes the the, uh, the Gwala will take the calf and they, they leave it there. They, they bring the calf in front of the, the mother, even though the calf is dead, and the mother will give profuse milk and lick the calf, the dead calf, because it can't tell the difference whether it's alive or dead, because she has so much affection for the calf. She doesn't see if it's alive or dead. She just sees, there's my baby. So this is why that this particular example is used by Krishna in this verse. And that's because a materialistic person uh, mistakes a dead body to be a living body. It's actually dead, but I'm treating it like it's the most important thing in the world. It's very important. But it's, it's, it's not going to stick around long, and it's not us. So it has to be used for a higher purpose. That's why it's used. Um, anything else from Zoom? Anybody want to comment or ask a question?
2: Hey, Krishna,
0: okay, we've got a, a, a tie situation <laughs> to get, get, go right go ahead, please go ahead you're you're in the farthest away so you get to go
1: next <laughs> thank you please accept my humble um i was just really appreciating um a couple of points that you just made um one was that um you talked about forming habits so you you said you do something five times and then it starts building that momentum and I was just thinking it's, it's uh, interesting that I also just, I also have this right in front of me it's just that I don't switch it on. <laughs> so, I haven't in a while. So I'm going to start doing that. Um, and also because of the lockdown um, I'm obviously spending more time at home and by myself. And I'm saying that there's, um, I'm tending to spend more time because I'm busy and I'm on the computer, but I'm also getting more distracted and spending more time on Facebook and all of that. So that's, um really um useful that i can apply that give myself a number five times or six times i change my response and um do something that i'm not um something new to change that habit
0: yeah yeah definitely and 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 at first sometimes it seems like a a real ripoff the mind's going you know like come on this isn't the same this is not like here we go we have this and we have this. <laughs> and the mind's like, come on, this has no color or lights or anything. I mean, there are a few lights on here, but, you know, it's not like this, you know? And so the mind gets attached. It gets addicted to these spikes. And so we yeah. have to watch out for that because we, what we want to do is develop subtle enjoyment on the spiritual level. We want to develop this bhava that comes and, and is so strong that we're attached to it. And actually, it's interesting because the more subtle kind of enjoyments they take longer to develop, and but once you develop they're, they're millions of times stronger than than the spikes you get from the, from the Facebook and so forth. So one thing you know, one thing to remember is I I, I was just it reminded me of when I was a kid, uh, my my parents bought a like a summer home way up in Northern California, and then they wanted to go there for some reason. <laughs> For some reason, after buying it, and then you know, as kids, you know, on the weekend, now, all our favorite TV shows were on, so we were like, we don't want to go to the, you know the woods, you know, we, <laughs> we want to watch television. Mm-hmm. But they would, you know, they would force us, and you know, get in the car, we drive three hours wherever, you know, how long it took to go up there. But then I remember like being out in nature, then then we didn't want to come back, you know. So the mind doesn't know what it's talking about and and, and also beware of spikes because the spike kind of happiness is really cheap. It's like sugar, you know, just spooning sugar in your mouth. And then it's like today, uh, Nirakula and I, we take this, you know, vigorous walk every morning and we are walking home and, you know, you're, you're feeling kind of, uh, elevated cause you know, the, you're, you're breathing in oxygen and stuff like that as much as you can get through a mask. And, um, and then I saw a, a Hostess Twinkie wrapper on the ground. I don't know if you know what that is, but a Hostess, <laughs> it's, the, it's the epitome of junk food. In fact, there's a, there was a murder, one of the, the mayor of San Francisco many years ago was murdered in cold blood on the steps of the Capitol building. And then the defense was called the Twinkie defense because he said, I eat too many Twinkies. And I, I wasn't in my right mind because <laughs> all they are is sugar and white flour their little supposed cakes, you know, and then I was thinking that, you know, this is the difference, you know, you work hard for something, uh, to, you know, like doing exercise or something, and then you can see the contrast. You can eat a Twinkie or you can exercise. I'm not comparing exercise to devotional service, but I'm just trying to say, you know, from the human perspective, we can notice these things of the hierarchy of enjoyment and we have to study the science and see where real happiness comes from. It's counterintuitive that's, that happiness comes from tapasya, but it does in a big mm-hmm. way. And if you do the right tapasya, it's well uh, placed, then you start to become a really elevated human being. And that's, what's ha- that's where happiness is, when we know we're elevated and we know we are self-determining and we start to develop these attachments to the spiritual world. So that's what we want to do. And so, you know, it's a, each one is a hard-fought battle. It's not like it's just slam-dunk, really easy, you just go for it. And what I was trying to say earlier um, is that the little things matter. The little things you can win on, and if you win five times on the little things, it starts affecting you systemically. It starts to, you know, hey, if I won there, maybe I can win here. You know, every discipline affects every other discipline, and we really can pull ourselves together. Like, I got really affected by reading the uh, Yoga Sutras recently. And, uh, you know, just the yogic mindset of, like, control yourself. You know, be, be in, uh, yogis are serious. They have to be because it, the mind is such a subtle instrument. And if you let all kinds of stuff come in and affect it, then it, you can't do meditation. You just can't. We're doing a different process, but the, we're still yogis. So, we really have to be into it, but there's a way to do that, and um, it's pretty exciting. Hey, remember, we talked when I gave you this box about how it's low tech, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's one of the beauties of this thing, it's low tech because <laughs> you know your mind doesn't get there's no, no uh, you know, little messages that jump up on here, you know, it's all one thing,
1: yeah, <laughs> electric,
0: you know, so it's kind of nice.
1: Thank so if, you. If thank we,
0: baby proof our environment so a lot of things are like that you know then it's more smooth sailing thank you very much thank you yeah
1: there's just one more thing um i also like when you said you know we don't actually really enjoy um uh, we don't really it's the mind that gets stimulated and it's not real enjoyment something along those lines and that was really helpful
0: yeah we're enjoying the idea of enjoying But Prahlad Maharaj says, Kutrasvisha Mriga Mrigatrishni Rupa. Mriga means a deer. And Mrigatrishni means a thirsty deer. So a thirsty deer is running after a mirage, thinking he's going to get water. But then uh, Prahlad Maharaj compares that to the happiness of the material world. It's in the mind. There's this idea that there's happiness. So he says, Kutra, where is it? He says, you actually look and see. You're never actually going to get it. You're going to run like the deer in the desert. And you're going to fall down trying. And the only time that the, you, you know the enjoyment, it's like you're enjoying the idea that you're going to enjoy, but you never reach it. So that's that's material happiness. Hare Krishna.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you. Hare Hare. hare, Jai. hare, Krishna, hare. Okay. Anyone who else else uh, was the tie for tie for um... it was me,
2: Prabhuji. Hare Krishna. Okay. Hare Krishna.
0: <laughs> uh, Hare
2: Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhuji. This is, I was, I had the same fight that uh, Mataji, Namrata Mataji had, but beyond that, uh, I want to say this, your every lecture that I attended, every class that I attended, every time that I attended, so many points that we get out of it. Can't even say one because they all are the best, and the best of the best. Today's was this uh, five times that you explained, and that I think it's it's really useful because we are kind of there, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there too, and need to change this. I mean,
0: that's what Earth is. We're on the ground here on a practice field. You know, when we all get to to be here trying it out. It, it's like a laboratory. We're, actually, uh, we are on. Um, what do they call it when you get out of jail and you're you're not at all, at all. Parole. <laughs> parole yeah it's a it's a parole period and we get to kind of like yeah okay you can go out now <laughs> human life is like okay go out and try it all out and the earth planet is it's the testing ground to see what are you going to do which way are you going to go you're going to go up you're going to go down what do you want to do with yourself so krishna says in the body we get a yanti deva vata deva petra and yantu you could go wherever you want little Jeeva, but you know, I really, really recommend that you uh, try to go back to, back to God. Your truth, thank you so much for your encouraging words. And I'm glad that you got something out of that little uh, practical um, point there.
1: Thank I you, Rabbi. What a pleasure thank to hear your voice.
0: Thank you
2: so much. We are really fortunate to have your, have you as our Maharaj and Guru here. I can't express it. It's just really a fortunate to listen to you and learn out of it to be, I'm thankful to you and Shri Krishna too. Thank you, thank you.
0: As they say in Spanish, Igualmente. <laughs> or Japanese, cochiracoso. Same back to you. <laughs> okay, Hare, uh, Hare. anyone else? Hey, Hare, Hare. Hare Krishna.
2: Hare. Prabhu, I was just thinking that, I don't know if, any, was, there, was there anyone else on the line, Masashi? can I go?
0: You may go, <laughs> Ty goes to the runner. <laughs>
2: Um, so Prabhu, I was just thinking. I really again like the point of that five-time thing, and uh, many times um, I I try to be vigilant of what my mind does, and uh, you know, and then think, oh no, this is not Krishna conscious, or you know, it could be uh, any of the anarthas. But there are sometimes that I would have already ended up doing the anartha, and then realize, oh my gosh, you know, uh, how did that happen? I didn't even know <laughs> that happened. So sometimes it's very hard um, to. I'll just make
0: a couple of quick comments. One is that, um, you know, I learned this in the, in the Yoga Sutras in a very a definitive way. This is pointed out again and again and again that even for the advanced yogi, there are going to be all kinds of weird things coming out of your mind because we've already recorded them in there over many lifetimes. So it, it don't it's not a question of if. Weird things come up. It's a question of when and they just do they come up all the time even even in the bhagavatam It's talked about In this verse where Krishna is so kindly saying that, you know, if something goes wrong you do something wrong You don't worry I'd like, uh, if you're sincere, just keep doing devotional service because, you know, it'll, you move on and it's going to be okay. Uh, I'll make up for it, he's saying. <laughs> I'm in your heart. But the, he says that the terminology for when a vikarma comes up, he says, somehow or other, just comes out of nowhere. Because everybody knows when you start off, it's not a clean slate. So there's all this stuff that's going to come up. And, that, and the other point I want to make about the five, the reason I wrote it down in my notebook today when I was thinking of it, when i was dealing with my little dance with my mind and and saying you know like we're doing this not that and and, and then it just goes like yeah i actually i like this better and i was like, you do <laughs> well that was five times you know and and the reason that I, I i wrote it down was because there is a way in which we can become hopeless and we can think this will never end or there's no there's you know, But if, if you know it's five times or ten times, or so, who cares if it's 108 times? There's an end to it. And you have to keep practicing. Abhyasa, Yogi, Yuktena. And it will come to an end. So the mind can be trained like that. And if you have a number in your mind, you just tri- click it off. Like when I do my shlokas in the morning, I always write down the, the dates. I put the number and I say, like on this one, I've got 19 Bhagavatam shlokas here that I'm learning. And I, I wrote on the top that we're going to do this for um, 108 times. And then every day that goes by, I just write down the date and the, t- and the number, that I, number of times I did it. And um, the other day, because, you know, uh, I'm going through some things, looking at some uh, old paperwork, if I have, can find one in here. I, look, I found some things in here in some of my papers where I had some of them where I had done a set of shlokas for 260 times. I recited the whole, the whole chapter and I didn't even remember doing it, but I know all the verses and they're in there somewhere. Uh, you know, and so like a Yoga Yuktena, find a regulated way to practice and, you know, put good stuff in there. These verses are powerful. And if you just regulate yourself on it, it will have its effect. It will come to an end, whether it's five, 108, or, you know, 260, just keep doing it.
2: I just wanted to also comment, Prabhu. Uh, last two weeks back, one week, one of the weeks I wanted to make sure that I'd read more. And so for one week, I had I was literally on four or five calls and tried to read uh, Bhagavatam, Chetanashirtaamrita, Bhagavatam That one week went away. And then I realized that, wow, you know, if I did that every time, which I don't know, I can really do that on a regular basis. But uh, because there was no outside influence, you know, the, the yeah. other modes were not there. Yeah. It was just at home. And when I was constantly reading, I, I felt my mind was so much more in control.
0: Yeah, and you know what? That, that desire that came through your mind where you said, I wish I could do this. You know, what if I could do, you know, this every day? That's a scar. That's what you're developing this kind of devotional brain, where you're going like, well, maybe I would just like to serve Krishna all day long <laughs> by hearing and chanting. Mm-hmm. That's not nothing. That's something. That's a real thing, and that that is what changes everything. It changes every cell in your body and your brains, and and that's what at the time when you're leaving this body, it, you know, the whole calculation takes place. It comes in like a wave, and. You know, all the compounded interests, all the things that you've put away, they're all in there. Every single one of them. That's why Krishna says, Even the little stuff counts. I I had this realization when I was taking care of the uh, plants today. And this is is in the same uh, realm about, um, you know, getting rid of an artist. So, I have all these little plants growing out there. And because I, I, I this year I said, I'm gonna do everything from seed. And then as I've said like five times already, John and Mooney sent me a bunch of really nice seeds. And I went online and figured out how to plant them and the whole thing. So they're all popping up here and there, all kinds of squash and flowers and things like that in the greenhouse. So then here's here's three things about uh, changing habits and taking out an artist that I was thinking. So um, this has to do with a metaphor of pulling weeds, which is a common metaphor, Lord Chaitanya used it. And, um, but this in a practical way, weeding my yard, which I usually don't do, usually the gardeners do it, but I don't have a gardeners right now. And um, the best time I've found for weeding the yard is, uh, is right after a rain. And then I was thinking about how the best time to pull out your, your, your um, anartis is right after you've got some good association and you're feeling that rain of mercy. You know, you just heard somebody that, you know, had some sattva coming out of them and you got affected and you're like, maybe I should be, be like that. And then that's the best time. Go for it. You know, just rain, pull them out you know, now while, you, while you've got that window. Uh, next one is when they're new, because, you know, I'm in there taking tulsi, of Tulsi and all these plants and everything, and it's the little uh, other characters pop up there in the pots and here, there, and everywhere, and uh, sometimes when I'm traveling, you know, I'm, they're on an automatic watering system, and I come back, and they're huge, and it takes a lot longer to take them out, and they're really deep-rooted, but now I catch them when I just see they pop their head up. And then, like, you're out, you're out, you're out, and it's easy. So when you see something come up, take care of it now. Do it early so it doesn't get it rooted in. And the third one's a little, takes a little more explanation. In my, in my greenhouse, I put on the flooring for the greenhouse, is all pea gravel. And so I saw weeds grow up there, too, because seeds go everywhere, right? but then I started weeding that on a regular basis and they just pop right out. There's no problem. I don't need any tools, instruments to pull them out. And so the, the, the floor is like the, the base of your life. That's the, uh, you know, what kind of foundation you have on a daily basis if you're doing good rounds and you're doing, you know, good rounds means it's a priority for you. And then, you know, if you're doing your reading and, and the other kinds of basic activities that, you know, I'm doing this every day, then when these anartas come up, they have nothing to grab onto, it's like that floor of pea gravel, it's a basic, uh, you know, that's the foundation that you have, and the anartas, you can just easily pull them out, but if you, if you um, relax your practices, you know, don't have a good base, then it's much easier for the, for the weeds to take root, and it's much harder to pull them out. That's the uh, end of our time because we're already at the late hour of 8 30 pm. We'll just want to go up the Mishra. How do you feel? Not to the Armarman. Not to the Armarman. Not to the Armarman. Not to the Armarman. Hey, not Hey, the Marman Not to not Marman, man, Not man.